Louis Vuitton, Christian Dior, Tiffany. Some of the most popular luxury brands in the world, all housed under one roof. Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy, or LVMH. Founded in 1854, Louis Vuitton is one of the most storied and iconic luxury brands. The singular brand has since grown into a powerhouse of 75 brands, or maisons as they are formally called. You can think long term, like Louis Vuitton for instance. I'm not that much interested by the number of the next six months. What I am interested in is that the desire for the brand will be the same in 10 years as it is today. The company is notorious for posting record year after record year, and 2022 was no different. It drew $86.3 billion in revenue, which is up a healthy 23% from 2021. The company recorded revenue of $22.9 billion in the first quarter of 2023, up 17% compared to the same period in 2022, and reached a stock price of $191.99 on May 11, 2023. Its store count more than quintupled between 1999 and 2022, with stores across 81 countries and more than 196,000 employees worldwide, making it a true leader in luxury by multiple measures. I would argue the next to Apple, no other company on the planet dominates their industry as completely as LVMH. At the helm of the massive ship is the world's richest man, Bernard Arnault. Pre-pandemic, the luxury segment had already been outperforming other categories in the global apparel market, and the trend has only accelerated in 2021 and onwards. The luxury and premium segments delivered shareholder returns of 33.2% and 18% during the pandemic. Bernard Arnault has very clear vision in terms of um, the overall strategy of what he sees as the purpose of the group, this idea of creating brands that can be eternal. LVMH's storied history begins in 1837. It was founded by a craftsman's apprentice, Louis Vuitton, who had a start in master trunk making. At the time, the popular modes of transportation were horse-drawn carriages, boats, and trains, which made craftsmen valuable to the working class. Eventually, Louis Vuitton founded his house in Paris in 1854. In 1886, Georges Vuitton revolutionized luggage locks by developing a closing system that turned travel trunks into real treasure chests. In 1987, Louis Vuitton merged with Moet Hennessy, giving birth to its current moniker, LVMH. Louis Vuitton CEO between 1988 and 1995, Vincent Bastien, brought a different strategy to the brand. My basic idea was, if luxury is focused only on very rich people, you have no market. You need to become democratic, democratic but not vulgar. If you try to implement the usual business strategy you will learn in any business school. To a luxury group, it's just a disaster. In collaboration with Bernard Arnault, Bastien witnessed an early master in luxury. Each time he bought a brand, he kept the team in place. He's extremely intelligent for this. He knows that each brand has to have his, his own personality. Bernard Arnault has a real sense of luxury. He understands fashion, he understands art. Each time I had a new line of product, I presented it to him, and he found the right problems immediately. 
He has a very strong intuition and he's very courageous. He takes risks. LVMH's aggressive acquisition strategy and exceptionally wide portfolio lends itself to Arnaud's watchfulness as a businessman. He started looking for gems, for things that were undervalued, even outside of what his company had done previously. The Arnaud family's supremacy is internally well-cemented. All five of Arnaud's children hold key management roles, an executive at Christian Dior, an EVP at Tiffany, a chairman and CEO of LVMH's holding company, Christian Dior SE, among other roles, a CEO of Tag Heuer, and a director of marketing and development. A family business, especially in, in the luxury area, uh, is key for success. Luxury, by definition, has heritage. It has legacy. And that's what you find in the consistency of a family. Arnaud's leadership is described as ruthless. LVMH's growth was so rapid, net income surpassed the $1 billion mark in 2004. By comparison, Caring, then known as Pinot Printemps Redoute, and owner of brands such as Gucci, YSL, and Balenciaga, reached $1.1 billion the same year. Between 2009 and 2011, the company saw an enormous 75% increase in net income. Its international reach in Asia, a market it originally entered via Hong Kong in 1992, when its international presence was strengthening dramatically. Between 2003, the earliest available earnings report from LVMH's records, and 2022, the company has posted record revenue year after year. Anish Mawani, the LVMH North America chairman and CEO since 2016, says the company's focus on storytelling and brand building have been key to the company's success. Luxury is connected to the human emotion of accomplishment. And so people buy luxury, whether it's handbags or uh, jewelry or uh, prestige makeup, uh, because they have gotten to a place where they can afford the superior quality and they want to participate in the storytelling that is behind those brands. There's a broad array of price points. So you have a very expensive bag, such as a cappuccino, um, at thousands of dollars or more. And then you have small leather goods at price points of two to $600. The broad array of price points also enables uh, a broader uh, appeal too. Over the years, LVMH has made several billion dollar acquisitions. Bulgari in 2011, 80% stake in Ramoa in 2016, Dior in 2017 for $13 billion and its biggest and most recent, Tiffany for $15.8 billion in 2021. Arnaud is a brutal negotiator, grinds people down to the last penny. They had a deal right before the pandemic. After the pandemic started, he wanted a price cut. Tiffany said no, he took him to court, even uglier negotiation. All in, he ended up buying it for $16 billion. This is a brand that many people thought, look, Tiffany owns a color. They are everywhere. How could you improve Tiffany? And yet, three years after they bought Tiffany, they have doubled their profits. They are now earning over a billion dollars a year. And that is the magic and the aggression of Bernard Arnault. The world shut down in the midst of those uh, negotiations. When you have uh, terms that are agreed before, uh, before the beginning of a global pandemic, uh, it only seems prudent to uh, take some pause and reevaluate. Um, and I think that's what we did. I think uh, 
the, uh, the board of Tiffany & Company did the same, and ultimately we came to an agreement that worked for everyone. While most associate LVMH with luxury handbags and fashion, LVMH's current portfolio spans across multiple categories, namely perfume and cosmetics, selective retailing, and wine and spirits. It owns Sephora, Starboard Cruise Services, and even Royal Van Lent, a high-quality yacht maker. Between 2005 and 2022, revenue jumped from $16.9 billion to $86 billion. That's about a 500% increase. And in 2023, its staggering growth and supremacy in luxury lives on. While hitting its stride as the largest in luxury, the hard part is keeping that status alive. And staying alive means staying relevant. For LVMH, that means creating desire, even in challenging times. While many other companies struggled throughout the pandemic, LVMH's stock rose steadily from March 2020 onward after a sharp but brief decline. So far, the LVMH consumer seems almost totally immune to inflation. Yes, Louis Vuitton and many of the brands have raised prices somewhere in the sort of mid-single digits, around 5 to 7%. They haven't raised them nearly as much as some of the competitors. You look at a Chanel bag, which now is priced more than twice what it was pre-pandemic, which has really frustrated consumers. That's one reason they haven't lost a lot of business, but the more important reason is the Louis Vuitton, the LVMH consumer, is a very wealthy consumer, and they have so much savings during the pandemic and still a lot of income that they're just not affected. McKinsey & Company noted consumers participated in what it calls revenge spending in 2021 and 2022 as restrictions were lifted. Ironically, during stressful moments, consumers will go to large brands, such as a Louis Vuitton or a Chanel or Hermes or Cartier, and those are um, dynamics that happen. There's some safety in luxury goods and purchase behaviors that do happen. LVMH prides itself in what Arnaud describes as a culture company. Recently, it has invested heavily in the expansion of its store network, production facilities, and employment. Operating investments totaled $5.4 billion in 2022, with $234 million poured into employee training alone. This, the company argues, is another factor why prices remain high, even during the pandemic. The savoir-faire, the, the, the know-how of the artisans who make our thing is, is not what's priced in, but it's something that's uh, incredibly valuable. And that needs to be maintained. So we have programs like Metier Dao where we are investing in apprenticeships uh, at, at high school students to get them into our factories and, and to be apprentices in the, in the trades so that we can continue to make these products. Its focus in expanding its store footprint echoes its desire to be a vertically integrated company where each brand controls everything between production and manufacture to consumer-facing point of sale in its brick-and-mortar stores. Coming out of the pandemic, uh, during which we saw extraordinary growth in e-commerce and our digital channels, we're now seeing a rebalancing back towards brick-and-mortar. Basically, people are out in the world and they want to come into a luxury boutique and maybe have a glass of champagne and, and touch the product for themselves. Stores for luxury goods are much like churches, almost churches to the brand, and they're uh, experiences that are extremely important to the emotional experience and also making the consumer forget about price. Even at the top of the chain, hiring diverse talent is central to curating desirable collections to be brought to stores. 
LVMH nurtures its designers, along with giving them autonomy in curating collections and developing their creative visions. In an interview with Harvard Business Review in 2001, Arnaud has said he doesn't have alarm bells when it comes to creativity. In former CEO Vincent Bastien's eyes, LVMH's competitors are hardly competition. Vuitton has no competitors. They're just too small. It cannot copy. And that's the beauty of the game. Plus, the fact that Bernard Arnault controls the group with his money and that he understood my strategy. It's a very big protection. Every competitor is trying to imitate. I think they are not successful, but they try. By comparison, Richemont, the next largest luxury conglomerate who owns Cartier, Van Cleef & Arpels, and Piaget, among others, had a revenue of $20.8 billion in 2022. That's a whopping $16.5 billion less than LVMH. LVMH's designers are, of course, some of the world's most laudable fashion icons and visionaries. Kim Jones, Marc Jacobs, the late Karl Lagerfeld, Ralph Simmons, the list goes on and on and on. Bernard Arnault is smart, agile, and in many ways he's an asset manager in terms of acquiring brands and fostering brands and also acquiring and fostering talent and creative talent. So what we've really seen is a keen attention to the long term, um, cultural relevance and reinventing brands. How do you think about a brand and a franchise for hundreds of years in terms of um, keeping to the history, but also looking to the future? More recently, the late Virgil Abloh was Louis Vuitton's men's designer between 2017 and 2022 and introduced a new streetwear-focused audience to the brand. Virgil Abloh uh, was a really important turning point in terms of the Louis Vuitton brand, in terms of bringing in a new audience, approaching creativity differently, and also embracing streetwear. Um, that's been a, a leadership move in terms of LVMH uh, making big impact and also bringing in new generations into LVMH as well. Nobody ever expected Louis Vuitton to do a collaboration with Supreme. That's the kind of example of where an entire group of young people who never thought that a brand like Louis Vuitton paid attention to them, cared that they existed, all of a sudden realized that they did. It was the launch of a series of things after that that transformed uh, the brand in many ways. The name of the game in creating a sustainable fashion brand with a lasting legacy is bringing in the younger consumer. LVMH is notorious for collaborating with celebrities, fashion icons, and influencers in order to stay relevant for the younger luxury crowd. Its social media efforts have seen a dramatic transformation in the last several years. When you look at what drives luxury sales, it's what's cool. And what's cool is usually decided by youth and youth culture. And LVMH brands have this almost innate ability as part of LVMH to tap into the nuclear core of youth culture. While LVMH's success is wholly apparent and celebrated, it has had challenges with the China market. In 2021, after President Xi Jinping delivered a speech indicative of a more socialist China, $120 billion was eliminated from the luxury sector. In 2022, partial COVID lockdowns in China caused Asia's revenue contribution to fall by five points to 30%, the only geographic region that did not see growth. But in 2023's first quarter, LVMH reported a 14% increase in revenue in Asia. That's compared to an 8% decline in 2022's fourth quarter. 
while economic challenges persist, a portfolio of 75 brands means constant upkeep. How can the brand continue to be um, very exclusive yet so large and execute in new categories? Also, um, fashion is a very tough industry where you have to stay relevant um, at, at every moment. That means um, creative execution, creative partnerships, and working with the merchants and innovating new product that's exciting and captivates the customer. What our leaders use to create desirability is the incredible heritage that each of our Maisons has. Um, and that heritage is really a, it's a competitive moat, right? It's a, it, it's a real source of competitive advantage because you cannot create heritage overnight. It can only be created over decades, if not centuries. So remaining relevant is key to longevity and luxury, and paramount to LVMH's forward-looking business is innovation, which is at the heart of its long-term strategy. According to industry experts, much of the future of the luxury segment is in experiences. LVMH has invested handsomely in the categories which allow it to curate just that. It acquired Belmont in 2019, which includes the Cheval Blanc Maisons and Bulgari Hotels. LVMH is no stranger to the hospitality industry, its efforts in the sector date back to 2000, so expansion and refinement of these properties is more top of mind. Starboard Cruise Services, which LVMH has owned since 2000, struggled at the beginning of 2022, but has since rebounded. Along with experiences, luxury consumers have also leaned into sustainability. Coupled with the long-term value of its products, the resale market for luxury goods has piqued shoppers' interest in recent years. Innovative companies in the resale and consignment space, like The Real Real and Fashion File, have seen tremendous growth. And consumers um, now more than ever have visibility and more awareness of the value of their bag you know, after purchase and how much they can resell that for. Resale values um, really indicate brand equity in a way in terms of what's, how much somebody wants to purchase this bag for. While the luxury market expands, its poignant desirability and exclusivity have opened a door to a rapidly growing problem, the counterfeit market. The trade is worth half a trillion dollars, according to the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development. In response to bolster efforts in authenticity, LVMH partnered with Prada and Cartier to develop the Aura Block Consortium, which is an RFID and blockchain-based technology that allows customers to trace a luxury product through its life cycle. In its 2022 earnings, LVMH noted its strategic priorities lie in store expansion and evolving its digital presence, which will be backed by selective investments and cost management. Touting a legendary iconography, intrinsic to the company's overall business model is longevity, fueled by the concept of legacy. The company doesn't just look forward to the next couple of years, but the next hundred. You know, I was walking down the street in Manhattan the other day on 57th and 5th, and right in front of me was the Bulgari store. On the corner was the new Tiffany headquarters. And on the next corner was the Louis Vuitton store with the Kusama robot and the giant dots all over the building. And I looked up on this corner in the center of Manhattan's premier retail district and realized it's Bernard Arnault's luxury world and we're just shopping in it.